Welcome to the Launch and Standout Podcast, brought to you by the Launch and Standout Agency. And I got to tell you, I have to practice that. You know, I wanted to like get it right. <laughs> um, but Bob, he, he's, a, he's amazing. He, he owns these restaurants. I, I, I wanted to dig in because the restaurant business, I've always been told, is a tough business. To, to, so to see someone that succeeded at it, I want to know like the story, like like how you do it. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in from time to time and ask questions. But okay, like I just want to know. If, if I was starting a business, if I was launching a, a restaurant business, how do I go from, I think I have the greatest idea for food that people would buy to something that people would actually buy and something that I could duplicate? Like, tell us about your story. Like, how did you start it and how would someone else do it? Yeah, so I, I got started on uh, just a, I just stumbled into it. I... I was I was driving down the street in Amherst. I, I I had graduated already, and I was visiting my friends who had, who were still here. And um, we're we're driving down the street, right by Antonio's, uh, in, which is in the middle of town, and um, and that place was busy, like crazy busy all the time, twenty four seven. Okay. And there was a place for rent next door. So. I had had a burrito on Nantucket Island, of all places. Uh, <laughs> World-famous burritos out there. <laughs> yeah, dude. After I, we were out at a bar, you know, and it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had this burrito. And, but, uh, you know, a month later, or two months later, I'm in Amherst, and I see this for rent sign in a window. And, it, and after the, like, late, late night spot, it was busy all the time, but there was most, the most people there after, after 1 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So I just put that together. I'm like, burritos, one o'clock in the morning, Antonio's. That, that I, was, I was like, that spot right there could be a great place to have a burrito shop. Awesome. So, so before that, you had any restaurant experience? I washed dishes <laughs> in, uh, at the um, Iron Horse in okay. Northampton and a couple other places. Yeah, that's funny. So my first job, because I'm an I'm a immigrant from the Bahamas, so okay. my first job here, I was a dishwasher. So I tell my kids all the time, I was so horrible, they wouldn't even let me serve people. They sent me in the back washing dishes. So <laughs> we got that in common. Okay, yeah. so you, you see this spot. Have you done any other entrepreneurial things before? Not really. Okay, so this is awesome. So, so what gave you the confidence to say, okay, I had this great burrito, I'm gonna open my spot. Like, tell me about that. So, Looking back, you know, it's been 25 years now. So I realized wow. that the first, I, the first thoughts I had were like, I could figure out how to make burritos. Okay. Like that's not that hard, right? Uh, it's beans and rice, and, um, and I thought burritos, they're coming here. Like they're they're in California. Back then, there weren't. There's only a couple of places even in Boston. Wow, um, visionary. And trends come from the West Coast to the East Coast mm -hmm. a lot. Not all the time, but. And I just when I when I was mulling it over in my head, I'm like, burritos gonna be good. 
you know, that that's burritos. They've been around longer than hamburgers. Really? You know, well, I don't. That's just what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, a long time. Well, that's what you told yourself at least. <laughs> yeah. And then I and then I was then I thought that's a job I want. I want to be the boss. I want that's going to be fun. I have a little ADD. Okay. And I was miserable in school sort of most half the time. You know, I did okay, but I wasn't happy and I and I thought and and fit, like getting a job and doing that whole thing for the rest of my life felt not that great. Right. So this was, oh, I was like, that's the job I want. I want to be in charge. It didn't really, it, it, it matters what it is, but it, it doesn't that much. I just wanted to, I, I felt like I want to be a leader. Okay. And I felt I would be a good leader. Awesome. So, okay, this is cool. Spot, burritos, ADD, I want to leave. And it's funny because my son's, my youngest son, he's ADD. And my oldest son is like super operational and like structured, <clears throat> excuse me. And I tell my sons all the time, like if you guys learn to work together, you can, you can take over anything because there's two yeah. different types of mindsets that um, you need to work with. Like in, in, the, in the 100 grand plan and in the, in the launch of standout courses, I teach the C-suite and we call it the four point triangle. And we talk about the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, the COO, and how to get all these different thinkers together on the same page to create something amazing. So I'm, I'm fascinated that you were able to, two things I like, you identified a nice spot with traffic where a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners don't even think about that part, especially with a, with a physical storefront. They go, oh man, my thing's so great. People are gonna drive all the way from 10 miles away to come see it. And I go, but that's not human behavior. Like they don't do that. People do what's convenient. So like, yeah. You identifying a spot where people were already gathering and say, hey, this thing's cool in California. Let's put it in front of these people. That's already uh, um, smart as far as market research and, and being able to sell something that people would want or need. Um, so ADD and leadership, how's that work together? Well, I don't know if it goes together for everybody, but I... I um I knew that, well, with ADD, you need, whatever it is, has to be exciting or you just lose interest. That, that, that's the general thing, mm -hmm. right? And so with some people, they can, they can maintain interest with things that are sort of mundane and, and that's fine. And that, there's, that's, that's a great way to be. But for me, it had to be exciting. Right. So I knew that if I was in charge, I'd be making important decisions and, and it would be kind of like my, my thing, you know, all that ownership of what you're doing is, is, uh, crucial, I think for me, right. Not for everybody, but right. for me, it was like, I gotta, I gotta, freedom. I gotta have that freedom. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a type of freedom. Yeah. And of course it's a restaurant. That's exciting. It's like, a lot of you know, parts. Um, yeah, and a lot of people, mm -hmm. a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. I was getting a lot, I, would, I was like, oh, I'll, you know, that'll be cool. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so cool. So, train coming, leading. So now, when you first opened, 
your rich uncle that's on the Fortune 500 list just came and wrote you a big check to say, hey, Bob, go start your business. That's, was that your story? How'd you, get to, how'd you start up? Well, so the spot that I wanted was already taken. And they, the, I called the number like a couple days later after I was there, and they, and they, they said, sure, come on out and see it. And then, but then when I got here, they told me it was taken, and then they showed me another place. So the other place, which is where we are now, was an abandoned restaurant. Okay. It was a falafel joint, whatever. Um, and uh, it was small, and uh, it had the things that we needed. It had two bathrooms. It had a hood system, the exhaust for all the cooking and all that, which is super expensive. It had all the plumbing done, a couple sinks, and the dish room, and it was all set up. So that's what really made the opportunity work. Now, then I took all this information. I, I went and talked to my dad. And if you're going to raise money, it's going to be from friends and family, you know, unless you're, unless you know a lot got, more than I did got, at that point, you got, know? That rich uncle in the Fortune 500. Yeah. <laughs> Except it was my dad. Right. So um, I talked to my dad about it. He encouraged me. He said, okay, go write a business plan. I was like, what's that? And I, but I, I put together stuff. I learned Excel at my job that I had. So I made some, I made some projections. And the, the, one of the smartest things I did was I went and talked to people that had opened restaurants. I just said, hey, how'd you do it, man? Can you just tell me what things cost and stuff? And, and then I sat and listened and I wrote it all down. And I had, I had real numbers from real people that were in Amherst. Right. So I, I went back to my dad and I'm like, this is basically what it's gonna cost. You know, the, here's the rent. Here's what they people paying for insurance and stuff, and and uh, here's what I can expect to pay for food, and and I had my um, revenue projection, which is usually complete fiction, mm-hmm. right? Um, was, was it? But I just said, well, if I can't sell a hundred burritos a day, then there's something wrong with me, right? Right. Um, so that's what I, I based my projections around. I think it was like 150 or so burritos every day or people served. Mm-hmm. And then um, I worked back from there and I put together the projections and I showed them to my dad. And then he's like, well, Bob, do you do you even know how to cook? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so I, 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 I did this whole I. I I was like, yeah, you're, I, I got to come up with something to show them. So I went to the library and I got some cookbooks. And uh, on, on this one day, I put together this whole meal. Uh, I made tortillas by hand and all this other cool food that I got from cookbooks. And I was like, I can cook, you know, and I, it all came out great. I had a couple friends over and we sort of powwowed with my dad and had a great meal. And he's like, wow, this is good. And... Um, after that meeting is when he said that he would invest $20,000 into this venture, which is a small amount of money to open a restaurant. I mean, even back then, it was mm-hmm. almost nothing. All we had to do was redecorate the place right. and buy a grill and a couple pieces of equipment and some furniture or whatever. So I, I had the, I then I was like, whoa. He said, yes, that's crazy. See, I'm, I'm glad you broke that down like that because a lot of people don't understand even if you have um, a, a source of funding available, no one's going to give you money 
without a plan and no one's going to give you money without a, a, well, a plan to make money but also a plan to make that money make more money and you have yeah. to have something people want to need so if the food was horrible he would have said no if you didn't come with a plan he would have said no and this is your dad so like one of the big things especially with people that don't have sources of funding you just kind of knocked it out of the water because you said basically your family and friends are going to be your first set of um, people that fund you one of the things I tell people when they ask me about funding is, I say, sell one. The first thing you need to do is sell one. And they go, well, what do you mean by that? Well, if you can't yeah. sell someone on your idea or you can't sell one of the things that you actually want to um, want to produce to sell, don't go into business. Because if your business makes sense, people, their money's out there. This, you, your 12th neighbor down the street would invest in you because this, this guy's been, he, he's been, he's single. And he doesn't spend money and he works a job and he's got X amount of thousands of dollars just sitting there, but no one ever asked him. It was funny because I was talking to my yeah. I was talking to my grandmother the other day. And I said, Man, I would love to buy that building. And she says, Well, how come you never asked me? And I go, What are you talking about? <laughs> so she says, and, and she's full of this wisdom. She goes, Yeah, sometimes when you want to start something, you just gotta ask your family. It is exactly what you just said, yeah. right? So that's a, that's, that's a key takeaway for anyone listening to this. People have money and it doesn't take a lot of money to, to, to start a business. When you, um, and what you did was you ran your numbers based on talking to other people that's doing it. It wasn't like random, get, oh, this is gonna cost this and this. No, you went with facts, you went with data. Yeah. So based on that, when you came back to your potential source of funding, you, you came back with common sense. And then you said, okay, if I do this, 100 burritos a day, it'll look like this, and then it'll look like that, and, look like, and they go, oh, this is something we could follow. Not only, not only can we yeah. follow it, but we could test if it's working or not. Yeah. So that, 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 that right there is the, is the logic. Okay, cool. So you funded, you got the spot, which I thought was really cool too. You end up finding a spot with everything that you needed, just about in it. That's like, you, you can't beat that as far as yeah. the equipment and stuff. So, okay. So now you, you, you've got it where it's all set up. How did you get your first set of customers to come in the door? Because marketing is a, is, a, is a key thing and getting people to know about what you have is, is critical. You can't make money if they don't know, right? So how did you start getting people in the door? So this 25 years ago, when I graduated from UMass was 26 or seven years ago, whatever it was, the food was terrible at UMass. Okay. It was, it was, it was known, well known, that it was one of the, it was a system that was struggling mightily. Okay. And I came out of there and I knew that people ate somewhere else. And Half of them were going to Antonio's, like I was telling you. Okay. So that, like you mentioned market research and like I lived in the market and I realized this later how valuable that was, but that was how I knew. That's how I knew. And this was one of the best markets we could have ever picked in the United States yeah. to open a burrito shop at that moment. Why'd you say that? Because of how many hungry people there were. Yeah. I mean, all you had to do was walk along the street and Amherst by Antonio's at like three in the afternoon, there'd be 70 people in there. Right. And it was just like, 
wow. I'm you looking know. to sell 100, 3 o'clock to seven yeah. people in here. Yeah. And, then, and I had friends who were driving pizzas at night, and they were delivering three, 400 bucks worth of pizza each. And they said there was 10 or 12 drivers on, on a busy night. It's like, wow, that's some, that's intense. That's a lot of dollars, right? right? So we were going to deliver, which we, which we did only very briefly, but we were going to deliver and sell downtown. And I'm like, we, there's no way we can't sell a hundred burritos as long as it's decent. Right? So when we, when we opened that just played out, like there were people that were hungry and they knew, they just heard that we were opening because when you open a restaurant, people tend to know yep. like they walk around and they see you know and we had lots of friends and we just talked to everybody and um and i also knew one of the things that we did was we um we got into the coupon booklets that uh used to go in people's desk drawer you know they still do i yeah. think but like back then it was a much bigger deal it was like that's when we when we were like trying to save five bucks we'd go and look at those coupon booklets when i was a student so I knew that people used those and they kept them a long time. So we got into that same book that I had when I was in college and it was a $1 off a burrito coupon. We used to get 20, 30 of those every day, wow. which is a huge, huge yeah, return. Yeah, I mean, everybody yeah. was like, what, really? Yeah. Like the coupon people were like, wow. <laughs> That's the most I ever heard of or whatever. Which, but. which you knew it was something trending on the other, on the other side of the country. You, you, it's so smart, everything that you did. You, you, you lived in the future, so you, you knew it was coming. So it would make yeah. sense people would use the coupon because I've been hearing about these burrito things. Yeah, I want to try one. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just on the cusp. Like, after I opened the place, there, there was a, at least three or four people that came up to me and were like, I was going to do this. <laughs> Amherst totally needed a burrito shop. Yeah. You know, uh, this is the type of community, like college, like progressive, that was that would be on the cusp of a trend like that. And right. people were already feeling that. Okay. So, you know, we I did it and um, people just showed up. We were we didn't we didn't spend much money at all on marketing because well what uh, another thing that we did was we put flyers in the dorms under people's uh, doors, which was the way that all the pizza guys did yeah. it. So that was our channel. Yeah. The coupon booklets and the flyers under people's doors, yeah. which is very direct. Mm -hmm. And in a, in, a, in, a, in a college environment, you can get branded really quickly. Right. Because everybody's gonna know who you are after a couple of years mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's at the school because they all talk and it's like a little community, right? Yeah. So that was that's that's a big part of what happened. I got a question about that. So were you actually putting putting out the flyers, or you had a team? We did it ourselves. So, so yeah. Tell me about because like when I when I was growing um, my business, Stinky Cakes, one of the things I did, I gave out a whole bunch of um, postcards, right? Yeah. Were you ever like nervous uh, uh, when you were? Handing out, putting out your flyers, sliding them in the door. Did you get like that? I'm about to get chased out of here, kind of feeling. Oh, what was that? Well, there was a lot of precedent for it back then okay. because it, we, we, when I was a student, we, we flyers would just come underneath our door, like every once in a while, I'd be like, "What was that? Oh yeah, flyer guy," you know. <laughs> so we, we, it was pretty comfortable, but okay. it got more and more where it was, they, they frowned on it and then they really frowned on it. And then they were like, you can't come in here after, okay. you know, another 10 years later or whatever. 
Okay, but it is already rolling in. Yeah, we were we were done firing at that point anyway, yeah. because what happened at UMass was the food became slowly but surely is now is the best system in the country for okay. a major university. Okay. And those students don't even come here anymore. Oh wow. Okay. We do forty percent of the business that we did twenty years ago. Wow. Per, just people-wise. Okay. We used to serve six, seven hundred people at least every day. Mm -hmm. And now it's like 200. Okay. Um, and, but we have several restaurants now, so we, we've moved around and, you know, we've, we've gone to other pastures. So let's talk about that. So you got, you got the system in place for the first spot. How many do you have now? There's seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. So, so you go from that one. How did you know it was time to go to restaurant two? How do you know it was time to duplicate? Well, all right. So part of, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to be the boss is because I was thinking, like I said, burritos aren't that hard, right? So you know what's gonna happen is I'm not gonna have to be there all the time. Okay. That was a big part of my vision from the mm -hmm. very beginning. Like, I know I wanna have a business that doesn't need me that much. Cause uh, there's a lot of things I wanna do with my life and I don't wanna, I don't wanna be selling burritos every day for the rest of my life. Uh, so for some people that might work, but for me, I was like, no, I don't wanna do that. So, um, Part of what I wanted to do was open other restaurants, and and that's what we ended up doing. So I opened up the second restaurant in Boston, which failed. Okay. So I had a huge failure right after this incredible success. Wait, I want to pause. Now I got to talk about okay. that. Okay. So, so, okay, Amherst worked, but Boston didn't work. No. So what, why would you say Boston didn't work? Well, because we lost a ton of money and closed the restaurant. <laughs> that's why. But, but uh so, but, but why though? Like, why? What, what? Well, I can tell you, it's very, it's very simple why it didn't work there for us. Like, we just the location that we I ended up picking was right in the middle of Boston University. Okay, okay. so I'm like, you know, it's college thing, yeah. whatever, and um, we we opened there. Uh, it was another uh, situation where it was an abandoned restaurant, and it didn't cost a ton of money to get it going. Um, but what happened was we opened on the first day, it was like a Thursday and we were busy for about three hours. And then after like three, four o'clock, nobody came in. It's like, where's the, where's the people for a dinner crowd? Nobody. Next day, same thing. Friday. Friday is like our biggest day here. Right. It's, you can't even breathe in this place right. on a Friday back then. And it was tumbleweeds. Wow. So... What ended up happening was we opened in a spot where everybody was gone after lunchtime. Oh. It just, the dynamic there, that's what it was. And we, so we flailed and failed. Uh, we stayed open for two years because we thought we could still make it, but it didn't work out. And um, we closed the place. BU had an excellent food system back then. That was part of it. That was a huge part of it. Um, whereas the UMass food system was terrible and I hadn't realized how important that was to our success right, yet. Right. You know, okay. dude, that, that's just that fundamental right. thing. Like I didn't even there get it no yet. Way to know that yet at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we, we failed, but what it did was it got me out of here. So I was, I was there a lot 
And I was like, hey, the place is fine. They're still running it and everything was okay. So that that really got me out of this this when I came back, I'm like, I'm not going to go back there and do five shifts a week right. and, and run around yeah, and chase my tail all the yeah. time because they obviously can run the place without me. So then I started doing other things and I had other, I had actually other restaurants that failed too, but we opened in, we opened a Bueno in Northampton, which was a real no brainer. Mm -hmm. We, we, we bought this place that was already a burrito shop and just changed the name. And we, we were very successful there. And then down the road, much later, we opened uh, in West Springfield. My brother opened a place. He wanted to do it, too. So he opened in Burlington, Vermont. And then my stepbrother wanted to have a place. And he opened a Bueno in Acton. Okay. And that's how, we, that's how we have, you know, seven now. We opened um, West Springfield, like I said, after Northampton. Then uh, just recently opened in South Deerfield. Okay. okay. So that, that place is like this little tiny corner of a town. Uh, north of here, but we're super busy there because everybody who lives around there knows who we are because right. it's only 10 miles away. Right, right. And they used to drive down to Northampton or Amherst to go to our place and they love us, but now they can just go there. And we, we, we've been busier there than we here are here. Wow. In this little tiny town. Business is so funny like that. Like sometimes you could plan it out. And I, and I say this all the time on our mastermind calls, like, you can plan everything out sometimes and like the silliest thing works or like this, this, like who would have thought if you go to a smaller town, you would have more than a big, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. it's, weird, it's weird how it works. So I don't, so I don't want to take too much more of your time, but you, you made me think of something when you talked about the failures. Do you, do you look at them as actual failures or do you look at them more as, as lessons? What's, what's failure to you? Well, you know, it feels like failure when it's not working out and you're losing money and, and, and there's some guilt that goes with that. But what, what I, I'm just, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I never really bet the farm on anything. Okay. Like I didn't take a risk that was too large. And that's, that's super important for obvious reasons. Like you could burn the whole thing down if you do something that's too crazy. Right. And, um, we never did that. So I'm still here. We're, we're doing great. We're, this is the last, the last 12 months is the most, we made the most, probably the most money that we've ever made uh, uh, for a profit margin. Uh, not, not in terms of percentage, yeah, but yeah, in yeah. total, because mm -hmm. we have, now we have this new restaurant and like, it's super busy and we're doing great. Like, working together. If we had, if I hadn't done those things and it, it doesn't really matter. You know, I still got the job I love. So I don't, it's, no, they're not failures. They're just less. They're, yeah, like you said, you learn from them. And, that, and actually, this place in South Deerfield is really the culmination of everything that I've learned. Okay. In so many different wow. ways. It's small. It's, it, the rent's inexpensive. Um, the proximity is, it's very close. And that was a big thing for me. Cause I, I, I tried this far away thing and I was like, I'm not doing that again. Um, and, uh, we knew that we could make money even if, even if our sales were quite small. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the conditions. I'm like, I don't want to do a place and like be losing money. Like, I don't want to take that risk anymore. Right. So we, we, the rent there is what we were paying here 25 years ago. Wow. It's that inexpensive. Okay. And it's small and, and 
compact, which is a thing that we learned through our other restaurants is like you small is fine. Mm -hmm. You can still serve a ton of people out right. of a small place, but you want, you don't, when you, when you, when you have a small place, you have less staff that can get everything done. They're all close together and they can do, they can help each other out all the time. And that's a big thing in the restaurant world is like, is putting people close to each other where they can help each other. And it turns out that once you're doing some numbers, the whole game is being efficient with your people hours. Okay. And being excellent, excellent execution in the most efficient way. Okay. Which, you know, it's the simplest yeah. thing, but that's what it is. Yeah. So my last question is about, because you're talking about execution, is about systems and processes. Because it sounds like with your duplication, you, the stuff that from, from location one is what you're basically doing in other places. Like, what, what kind of systems you have in place that allow you to be the boss for real? Like, because to me, an entrepreneur is someone that creates systems. Yes. Um, to solve a, solve a problem and get and they get paid, right? So, like, what kind of system did you put in place to allow you to live your dream of being a real boss? So, so I was right. Burritos are not that hard as long as you as long as everything works okay. This is what you're getting at, mm -hmm. and it's 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 like the whole thing. So, um, we we created systems, simple stuff like our sour cream bottle and our hot sauce bottle are different colors and you can recognize them. We don't have to label them or anything. You just know what it is by what color it is. Okay. Okay. We don't have too many bottles. There's only like five of them. Mm -hmm. There's not, there's not 17. Right. Right. Simple. So keep things simple. Um, we don't change the menu that much. Whenever things are changing, like we have some new thing going on, that means I have a new job. Right. For all the restaurants, I gotta roll it out and do all that stuff. So we keep things simple. Our menu hasn't changed that much in over the years. We add something new like every three years or something, you know? Okay. Um, simple, real simple stuff like the recipe book. You gotta have, everybody's gotta have the same recipe book with the same recipes right. where they know where it is. Okay. And it's not all beat up and it's not wrong or they can read it and everything. Like we had, our, our recipes were in English okay. forever and none of our cooks speak English. Oh. That's how smart I am, you know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and one day I'm like, why is our recipe book not in Spanish? Right. That's, that's, that's just, I was like, oh man, um, okay. So keeping it simple. So have great, we have a great recipe book. They're all exactly the same. We know that people are buying the same products. Like there's different kinds of tomato sauce. Okay. But we, every, each restaurant buys the same one. Okay. You know, you, you can mess that up pretty easy. They were the same. You know, so it's, it, and then the, the best thing that we've done in the last couple of years, I think anyway, is we created, I, we, we created a secret shopper program. Okay. So we have these nice folks that we just recruit from anywhere and they come in and we reimburse them for their food. And that's how they get, that's why they want to do it because mm -hmm. they get free food at Bueno. But then they sign write out up, a report. <laughs> yeah. Sign, you want to be one too. Yes. So they, they, they fill out a report and they send it to us and we have all these parameters. It's like 
20 or 30 of them, these questions that we ask them on a Google form now, we, we've like upped our game. Yeah. Like we got like stuff is like, <laughs> like digital, man. <laughs> and um, they tell us, we want to know, were they friendly? Was it fast? Was it accurate? Was it professional? And was everything clean? Those are five things. And they, they want to get five stars on each one of those. And then if they do, that shift gets $10 gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts. Right? <laughs> Smart. So that, it's fun. Yeah. It, it's like gamified a little bit. Yeah. And when we started doing it and we text out the report to everybody, people, it, people responded really well. Because they, they, most of it was positive feedback. Okay. If you're not doing 90% positive feedback, Nobody's gonna like you. Mm. So, but the, the, it is. It's, we like, we, we're good, and we just encourage people to do the right things, and we don't say too much when it's not perfect. We just let it sit, and people see it. So there's like this social pressure. Like, everyone's gonna see that report. You don't want to be the cashier guy that was wasn't smiling. Right. You right. know. So they do it. You don't you get a Dunkin' Donuts gift because like your other people are gonna be like, dude, where's the smile, <laughs> man? The like. That's the thing. You're not you're like you. You know, so that it works. No, that, no, it's it's pretty cool that you said that too. Um, like, I think for me in business, one of the main reasons I win, and I had to like understand this. Like, in the Bahamas, it's all like tourism based. That's our number one industry. Yeah. And like, so if you <clears> ever <throat> go to the Caribbean, not even only the Bahamas, if you go to the Caribbean, like it's a friendly experience, right? And I tell yes. so many business owners in, in America, like, if you take a slice of that Caribbean um, customer service and put it onto the, into your business, people will love you, man. Yes. The more they love you, they'll keep buying from you and telling their friends about you, and you just grow and grow. Because no matter what you do for marketing or whatever service you provide, like, word of mouth is always going to be number one. So, you, I, and I, I could almost bet the house on this like yeah a big reason why you're so successful is because your customers have a wonderful experience the food's good it's a good experience um all, your staff's friendly you know all of that stuff combined creates awesome experience and people love sharing experiences like the reason disney world is still raking in all the money minus this new subscription thing they're coming out with to take more money <laughs> is because everything's a wonderful experience no one ever goes to disney world and goes oh my god it's the worst place ever you, you get you get caught up in that dream. You get caught up in that experience. So that's yeah. a big part of what you're doing. Yeah. A um, couple of little things. Okay. okay. Big things. So I, I I think word of mouth is like number one, two, and three. Okay. But in, in, in your advertising and marketing only is is really just to support that a little bit, and like keep people keep you keep your brand in people's heads or whatever. But if people aren't saying great things. Yeah. It's a waste of money. It's true. It's a complete waste of money. That's a great point. So uh, we don't even advertise that much. Um, really, we, all we do is we, we uh, support local groups. Mm -hmm. We give them gift cards. We give them some money. We, we sponsor stuff and we get our name up there. And that's how we do our marketing. Right. Like all of it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, well, that's not exactly true, but mo uh, like 90, okay. 95%. Yeah. So um, and the other, the other thing I wanted to say was like, when I, when I wanted to be the leader, when I was like, oh, that's a job I want, I knew that I, the, the, the thing that it was, was like, I'm, I wanna be the leader, you know why? Because I'm gonna be a nice person. 
people are gonna I, I want I, people are gonna like working for me okay I'm not gonna step on my own feet like I've seen other people do mm -hmm. I know I already knew I'm like I'm not gonna do that stuff I'm and I'm gonna that's gonna be a huge deal because okay. if people like me and we have integrity about what we're doing like we're 90 percent of the way there as long as people want what we're making mm -hmm. sure. right you know if we have the thing that people need then we just have to get people organized and have in the restaurant business it's all about keeping your people right because if you have new people all the time guess what you have different products all the time sure. and it's not they're not the same and it's not they, Half those folks that are working right now in this restaurant, they've been here for 15 or 20 wow. years. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, like forever. Yeah. And so that person's making your burrito every Tuesday right. for the last 17 years. Crazy. And that's that's how you that's that's how we've created consistency. There's other ways to do it. You can be all McDonald's about mm -hmm. everything or whatever. Um, but our our method is to keep people and um and being nice to people not like i i don't come into the restaurant and complain or point out things that are wrong my job is to catch people doing things right, right. and tell them and be like all oh, excited about it and then everybody does that thing the same way they're like they all want me to be happy sure. and if i come in here grumpy that bums everybody out. They're like, well, what's the matter? Yeah. Like, it could be like that my toe hurts, right. you know, but as long as I'm not smiling, they think something's going wrong. Like that. So that, that can be a problem. So my half, my job is just to be psyched about stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. Last, last, last question. Okay. Yeah. What advice would you give someone new to business or been in business for a while? Um, as far as becoming a successful business owner? What's, what's something that they have to do? Well, I, since I've been teaching an entrepreneurship course for a while, okay. or I'm the instructor or whatever. And what I've, what I, what I sell people, what I tell people is, first of all, you, you may run into the thing that you want to do and you may not. Okay. But if you if you ran in if you've run into something and you think you want to do it, <clears throat> you you just you want to make sure that the thing that you want you want to have something that a lot of people want and already give money to other people for. Like you, if you if you don't know that there's going to be people lining up to give you money, like no doubt then you might not want to do that. Right. Like if you have that situation though, like we knew if we had an awesome burrito in Amherst, we were going to have tons of customers. It turned out that we had to have an awesome burrito in Amherst that we could make for you in 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which turned into 40 minutes sometimes on a Friday night right. here, but we had to be fast. Okay. You could only sell as many as you could make. But anyway, that aside, like we, you you if you if you don't know for sure that you have customers lined up if you execute on this thing then leave it alone the and the next thing is and this this you you want to have well the first thing probably is you want to have a model of what works 
Like I have people that come to me and they're like, well, we're going to make this thing up and nobody's, nobody's doing it. It's like, they think that's the best thing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. Dude. Because if no one's giving people money for that stuff already, good luck convincing somebody with money that you're going to pull it off. Right. Cause that's like a miracle. It's true. Right. So it's not wrong, but that's just like, that's the league that they're in mm -hmm. is the miracle league. Right. Right. Well, that's what 90, so, so it's funny, 95% of all businesses fail in the first five years, something like that's what they say, right? And I, I say all the time, it's because the 95% aren't doing what the 5% is doing, right? And the 5% is doing exactly what you said. They, they, they create a plan, they implement on it, they execute on it, and they succeed, right? And they, everything's measurable. It is all measured by time. And when you what you just broke down is the common sense that I'm fighting with launch and stand out to spread with everybody. Because if you do, like, I'm no genius. I, I knew people um, buy diapers for babies. I know people yeah. buy baby gifts. I combined the two things and told people looking to buy baby gifts where they could buy diapers as a gift for people. So you know what happened? People bought a lot of stinky cakes. I'm no genius. Mike Carriage sold a lot of candles. John Sotino sold a lot of teddy bears. Uh, uh, David yeah. Klein sold a lot of jelly beans. This is all stuff people want to need. Like, I think sometimes so many people get caught up in trying to feel special and unique. And they really, they're really trying to fill a different void as a business owner. So they, they kind of miss the mark. And businesses, we, we say it all the time in the mastermind, one plus one equals two. A product and a service plus people that want that product or service, a financial transaction happens, they get what they want and you get money. And that's business. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob, thank you so much. Man. Yeah, man. I appreciate thank this. you. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Congratulations on the success, man. It's so cool seeing you have this vision of wanting to be a leader, wanting to be a boss, seeing an open space, seeing the burritos on the West Coast. I'm going to put the burritos in open space and I'm going to sell it to people, these busy people that all around this area that eat food already anyway. Let me sell them what I know is coming. Yeah. Congratulations on all your success, man. Anything I could do to assist you, just let me know. I'm always a phone call. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Woo. All right. That was great, man. <laughs> How was that? Was it good?